This episode of The Substance is brought to you by Chris Hotchkiss, American Family, and listeners like you. on the substance a podcast aimed at being biblical thoughtful and human join us each week as we engage the culture without the culture war i'm your host vincent edwards joined by my friends and co-hosts trevor aiken howdy howdy and philip marinello hey everybody and if this is your time returning we want to say welcome back and if this is your Yo. first time listening we welcome want to say back. welcome. Welcome to up? The Substance. This is where you're at. Thank the person who recommended to you or retweeted or whoever sent you our way. Or if you're listening with somebody right now because they're like, yo, you got to listen to this podcast, you just give them a high five. Give them a high five. If that's the case, high tweet at right us. Here. If somebody's like, you have to listen to The Substance, and they're that big <laughs> of a fan, tweet at us. We'll, we'll shout yeah, them put, out. Put that on yes. our radar. There you go. Well, uh, if you are familiar with the show, you already know about the different forms of the substance. We got three different forms of the substance coming to you. Um, reflects, kind of long form stuff. We've got media with books, movies, things like that. You see it on our feed. You can check it all out. It's cool stuff. This is our topic toss-up format. A little less formal. Really kind of interviews, too. I feel like we always say three, but I feel like the interviews is kind of I know. We go back and forth. I feel like four, the interviewers. We formats. We're, because we're not an interview-based show. No. Sure. The interviewers kind of jump into our format. So, like, we have we have guests who come in and join us kind of do for reflects. media. It's like a or they join us for up. reflex. Or if they're all over the place, we they join us for a topic toss-up. Interesting. We just, I, I typically I, I think categorize it as number. a reflect. That's fine. Well, I mean, the three is the number of the Trinity and completion and stuff. <laughs> I was just saying. Anyway, how are we doing, guys? Topic toss up. Yep. Our Back last at topic it again. toss up uh, did real well in the first couple of weeks. Nice. Folks love those topic toss ups, especially with those real substantive titles. Yeah, man. I enjoy the banter. I enjoy chopping it up on different things. It's kind of always funny that things kind of connect in different ways as well and seeing how the different topics come together. It was funny on the last one we did and released, we had talked about some of the comments made around religious freedom and thinking through that, which had actually dovetailed off of our conversation with Justin Gibney. And then what was funny was in between when we recorded it at the beginning of December and later on in January, when we ended up releasing it at the beginning of January, like those comments went viral or something on Twitter that were made by the original pastor we were talking about. So it was just kind of a weird spot. It was just like, well, we already recorded about this, but it's going to probably look to everybody. And like, it's time to put a topic toss up. So yeah. it's like, did these guys just talk about this the other day? So it's like, Trevor, yeah. you should say something. Cause with our schedule, especially around the holidays, it's like we had a bunch of guests that we recorded at once that we didn't want to put all out at once. And then yeah. I think the movies kind of didn't quite mess us up, but put us in a tight spot. because we did, well, we Halloween wanted to movie, jump a right Thanksgiving on. movie, yeah. a Christmas movie, and then we're like, well, we kind of got to do The Matrix. So, like, we don't usually do that many movie shows that planned out. Yeah. And then we had, like, our weird holiday scheduling where we took some weeks off of actual recording. So, yeah. December, the end of November and December were kind of all over the place recording-wise. Yeah. 
yet. So anyway, that's some behind the scenes for any Nobody super cares fans. about that, probably. Super fans Let's of the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> welcome super fans of the substance. I don't well, know. Some, 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 some of those fans create spreadsheets for us and stuff, man. I'm like, that's pretty cool. y'all that are, pretty cool. Y'all are legit out there. So I texted you about our first topic, right, Trev? I was the one that put that on your radar. Yeah, dude. And I'll tell you, too. Sometimes it feels like 2022 now. It's just, it's rough. It's rough for nothing's Life rough for Jesus. Life nothing's is rough hard. for Jesus. Yeah. But like, sometimes it just feels like it's rough to be a Christian. And like, I feel I like know, since I, 2020, maybe even 2016, but like, I feel like especially like when we went into the first iteration of the lockdown, everything kind of intensified. And this is all kind of like 2021 was like the B side. Yeah. And it still feels like we're very much in like just a weird kind of alternate universe. Yeah. So yeah. Philip sent me this, this video, this YouTube video put up a Christian rapper fanatic about how he doesn't identify as Christian anymore or, or that kind of thing. Honestly, I didn't watch the video. I just saw it and I just, I was broken. I, you know, like it's really sad. And if you know, fanatic, something about fanatic, like he's not just some Christian rapper that just got into the Christian rap game because he felt like he'd start his rap career there and then move on or something like that. Mm -hmm. This guy is one of the original, he was part of the cross movement, right? Like he was part of some of the original, original, Christian hip hop. The cross movement wasn't the first like Christian hip hop group ever, but like they're kind of all looked at for all of the movements of Christian hip hop. They are one of the crews that's looked at as like they're like the godfathers, they're the predecessors of kind of all of that. Yeah, and 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 it's not even just that. Not only is he a predecessor, he's one of the the founders of the of the movement, but he's also He's an evangelist. He's a theologian. Like he's he's been in. He's a professor. He's an he's author. taught. Yeah, he's taught in Christian colleges and stuff. Uh, you know, taught theology and things like that. And he evangelizes. He's, he's been on the street. Like he has these. So like we, I think we even shouted out on this podcast. He had that episode on Southside Rabbi. Mm-hmm. They sat down with him yeah, and talked just just yeah. a year ago or so, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit a few you know a year and a few months. But yeah, just to hear that. I don't know, just shocking, you know, and, and I don't know, like I was, I'm still kind of processing through it all. It just made me, you know, it just felt sad. I don't know. It just felt sad. Vince, you said you watched the video. What, uh, what's kind of your history with cross movement? What did you think about it when you, and this, I also feel kind of weird talking about this so specifically, like we don't want to be a Christian gossip show and talk about every hot thing that comes up. But I mean, we want to talk about this specifically and also just kind of the f- phenomena and the time we're living in in general, like the, the pressure that we're on. Like we've talked about deconstruction. We'll probably, we're, we're, we're going to have somebody soon or maybe even already the, by the time you hear this, talk about doubt. Like we're in a very trying time. It feels like the pressure is cranked up, but yeah. just, I just wanted to say that for myself because I saw yeah. so many YouTube channels and people going, Literally, there's one there's one thing that made me angry. And I don't I really try yeah. not to tweet angrily at people, but after <laughs> I saw this, like I watched the video, like I was broken. Yeah. And then I saw literally this guy like 
pimping his YouTube channel going like, you won't believe what happened. Like, check this out. And I'm just like, screw you, buddy. <laughs> if I saw you in person, I might. <laughs> might I'm give him some Italian. Italian. <laughs> Put some of the Italian on. <laughs> I might take a swing at this guy right now. <laughs> but um, So I just wanted to say that as a caveat. So I grew up in a church tradition that really looked down on uh, Christian rap. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost to the point where it's like the world, in a sense, owns rap, and so mm-hmm. you can't make it Christian. Um, and so it almost like uh, nullified any any type of Christian rap. So I wasn't able to get into that until like my, I think maybe mid to late teens. Um, it started to lax a little bit, and I never encountered uh, the cross movement or, or fanatic. Um, so you guys told me about it. So I, I went and watched the video, read some bios about him. Oh, so cross um, movement is not something that's been on your radar since right. not something you kind of gone back to. Yeah. So I okay. think there's a, an emotional level, which I, I super empathize with you guys. Cause it sounds like it was, it was pretty deep and, and close. Um, not as much of a, an emotional one, more than just like analyzing what's going on. Sure. Um, because it's, he, he seems like a guy who has a lot of influence and it's not unimportant. Um, this, this decision that he's, that he's, uh, come out with, I think he, you know, obviously even though it's devastating the content itself, I think his, his delivery of it, um, was purposeful and it wasn't inflammatory by no, in any way. Yeah. Um, and I think he did it with the intention of saying, Hey, I want to let you guys down as easy as I possibly can, but as honest as I possibly can and give you an opportunity to process. And if that means like leaving his platform, then do that. And I think over time, as he collects his thoughts and and gets things together, he is going to be able to articulate a lot more of what were the things he wrestled with to the point where he had to make this decision. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice. He, he definitely talked about and alluded to a few things, but he wasn't, I think he was purposefully unclear about real explicit mm-hmm. examples of things. Yeah. Like he talked about his time in seminary where kind of broadly, he felt like he was given lazy, bad answers to like real questions. Um, um, and I mean, Vince, that probably struck a chord with you to a degree. Like he was a big evangelist yeah. and apologetics guy. And he's like, well, I already believe. And I'm kind of thinking some of these answers you're giving me are like, like, that's the best that we got as far as like some of these, like, quote unquote, like hard questions. Like if somebody comes at me going, Hey, like you say you believe in Jesus, the Bible's your source of authority. What about X, Y, Z? Like, these are the answers we're given. Like, this seems kind of weak, but I mean, Christian hip hop has gone through so much culturally since the early 2010s and then mm-hmm. through the Trump presidency and since 2020, like so many different people have gone through so much and so much has kind of come out like how ministry gets commodified. And a lot of people have talked about kind of how white supremacy mm-hmm. latent and maybe a little bit more explicit has, has functioned um, as far as opening doors and financial doors. Yeah. Closing <laughs> yeah. doors. <laughs> finances and just kind of lack of Christian charity and Mm -hmm. support structure 
and just so many things, so many things. Yeah. And then and we've talked about this countless times on the show. Like when you see people, like he said specifically that he is denouncing what he feels like is Christian. Like the language was interesting. I, I didn't write it down. I only watched it one time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the way he framed it isn't like, like, forget this, screw all of this. I hate it. This is all a bunch of trash. I'm walking away. There was a lot of respect. And there was one statement he made. Forgive me. This is definite. This is very much a paraphrase. But it was something like, like, if this is Christianity, like, I can't rock with this right now. Like, hmm. if what this is, like, if this is what all the things that I need to say Yes, amen. Like if I need to throw my amen and my gen- my genuine assent on all of those things to say that I'm a Christian, like I can't do that right now. Like mm. I need to walk away. And I'm hmm. sorry. And I hope I don't make anyone else walk away <laughs> unnecessarily, but like I I can't do this right now. So the man the man's hurting. So are the things though that he's walking away from is that fundamental core Christianity stuff, or is it more like what Lecrae's tweet was like, where it's like, you know, I'm walking away from institutional Christianity stuff. Cause I sent that to Trevor and a couple other guys who I know who are into the culture and into hip hop. Okay. So Lecrae tweeted, and this was (laughs) funny, funny, not quite funny. A lot of the people who follow Lecrae are not like genuine big hip hop heads. So they had no idea the context of this week because he didn't mention Fanatic. So, like, people took this in a whole lot of weird directions on Twitter. But um, in a significant window of Fanatic releasing the video, Lecrae tweeted, Once upon a time, I thought I was done with Christianity. But the reality was I was just done with the institutional, corporatized, gentrified, politicized, culturally exclusive version of it. Which was encouraging to me because, I mean, I... Apparently that got him dropped from a show. Yeah. Cancel culture. He lost at least one. That's crazy. Actual cancel culture. We can't have this. What would the whites say? <laughs> but I mean, that, that was so encouraging to me. I still need to check out Lecrae's book, the I am restored or now restored or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, I, I've been publicly and I think even on the show before um, critical of some of the things Lecrae said and did, and especially the stuff he did like, majorly on the record when he was kind of going through that phase of of, i'll just call it refinement like deconstruction is a word i feel like that's kind of getting away from us and i'm trying to minimize my use of like when other people use it i try to know like i try to contextualize what they mean by it but talk to me more about that yeah i mean it means something specific like in the realm of philosophy, which it's not a big deal that the way people are using it isn't strictly what it means, but I feel like it's just kind of a nebulous term. It's like people asking questions equals deconstruction. No matter where those questions are coming from or the positive or negative intent behind them. Yeah, we grew up in the Reformed tradition. We've said this before on the show. Um, And if you're in the Reformed tradition, one of the the big things is like always be reforming. Yeah. Like we, we little are, fallen. are reformed by the way. Yeah. Huh? People little are reformed, but yeah, yeah. we, we don't want to, um, we don't want to get stagnant and get, get kind of in a prideful stance of like, 
I have perfected my theology and now it's all good. Like we always want to be challenging ourselves and refining ourselves and um, going back to the scriptures, sharpening ourselves against history and the people of the day. Like when challenges are met, like we want to be like, be like the Bereans. And then also just making sure that we are not getting, I don't know, like, like the Pharisees, essentially that we are not mm-hmm. creating a religion or adding on to the scriptures or the teachings of Jesus. Cause that can be easy to do. Like church is good. Um, I think churches are very, very good. I think denominations are good, but it can be very easy in those structures to kind of add things. So it's good to, uh, regularly check in and go like, are the things we are doing correct? Like we can feel very emotionally attached to this is how we do things. These are the things we say. These are the things we say we believe, but like that can all fall away if the Bible's like, "Mm, that's not really correct. So deconstruction sounds kind of negative, but refinement means you're getting rid of the, the bad stuff and finding the pure form. Right. So, yeah. I think it just leads to a deeper issue of why we are so adverse to questions and challenging of our Mm. faith. Um, Because, yeah, if we're talking about the core fundamental gospel, then sure, I think, you know, you can still study that. I don't think that is impervious of just some questions of details and insights of that event and, and the implications. But if if somebody is you know textual criticism for example it's not something that a lot of people <laughs> study nope. like a, a normal parishioner who's just going to seek seeking yeah. to be obedient to the lord you know love the church love the people of god they're not usually studying that how do we know that the greek language behind right. the translation of this new testament passage was actually what was in the original autograph uh, exactly. That was penned by Paul. I can speak. I mean, Isn't Trevor and I, like, we can speak. Person thinks we've, about. Sat, we've sat in years and years of higher education with guys who are in positions that can say, that could ostensibly claim authority. A lot of the guys who have that training, that's not what, that's not where they're living. No. They can, they know a lot more vocabulary and, and some of them can probably read like, a Greek New Testament, no problem. But that's not like, that's not where people are living. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, so for that reason, since we don't have that, you know, the question, if a person's doing any deeper study or just, you know, living life, the question of the validity of translations might come up. Mm -hmm. And if we are garnering in the church, a, a fear or insulation of questioning and trying to just get a better understanding because we think it's going to lead to apostasy or you know bad interpretations or whatever we're seeing the the repercussions of that of a lot of people just saying people are maybe not being dishonest but more being um untrustworthy with the information that they've been giving me for xyz years because I'm coming to learn something that my pastor or, you know, whoever is discipling me never told me, never gave me insight to. And so now I'm struggling with it and I never Hmm. had, or maybe even right now, I don't have the freedom to just be able to explore 
what this actually means. And so I yeah. think that's that's why it's important, not even just for um, the the fanatic situation, but in general. Um, I think we as as believers have a culture that needs to be uh, addressed when it comes to uh, just questions and and wondering. I thought what you were saying before the show as well, Vince, because you know you were reacting to seeing this video from Fanatic, and then you know there's these response videos and other things right. that other people put out, and it's kind of like, oh well, you know, if you want to inoculate yourself against this, here's what you do, and here's all this stuff, like right. as if okay, if I just know enough or I just am confident enough about the truth, this will just all go away. Like I can just fix it for everybody and they'll, you know, we'll solve apostasy as a church by just being so confident about the truth. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think just having the humbleness to say that's not going to happen, that humans are still going to struggle, that people are still going to have questions. That's more important than trying to think that, you're the truth Superman and are going to know all the things well enough so that we have all the answers, you know, and I, and I think hearing your heart about that, like earlier, I think that was so good. Like we have to be open to questions because there's this lie out there that says, if you're open to questions, it means that you, you're open to the wrong answers. You're open to the wrong answers, yeah, in, in a sense that, like, you you aren't sure what you think. You're not sure, you, you know, you're not being confident in the truth if you're open to questions. Right? Yeah. There's a very, it's very like much that feeling. Yeah, you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, you're under sound teaching, and so there should be absolution. Yeah. And so if you show anything that seems contrary to absolution— then what's going on with your faith? Are you being discipled? You know what I'm saying? It starts yeah. to become questioning you because you have questions. And it's like, it's not saying I'm uncertain necessarily of, about my salvation or, or whatever. It's just saying, I have a question. I'm wondering about this and I don't think it's ever been addressed. Yeah. Or, you know, we're, we're at the peak, uh, maybe not the peak, but we are saturated in technology. And so what's to stop somebody from just scrolling through Facebook or Twitter and seeing an atheist put together a compilation of arguments as to why Christianity is invalid. And it's just like, it could rock somebody, but then if they're not in an environment where they can ask these questions and say, how do we respond to this in an honest way, but instead try to internally wrestle with that because they don't want to show that they are losing confidence or, or just having doubts or concerns with the things that this person brought up. It's, it's like you, you it's almost like a festering wound. And, and for some people it can, it can get really infected. And I think it's an impossible thing to heal in that environment. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think of, I think we've talked about this before, but I mean, the, the near idolatry of certainty, mm-hmm. um, is such a big problem for so yeah. many people because I don't want to project too much. I, I followed him for years and years. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know everything about his immediate church context, things like that. But I mean, at a certain point, he felt like the questions I have, the problems I have, like I need to walk away. I watched the video. The listeners who are, who are interested, especially if you have history, and you watch the video, I think you'll see his tone 
of of kind of gentleness and sadness. Mm-hmm. Like the man is definitely hurting and he feels and, and maybe he he needs to, quote unquote, like in this part of his journey, maybe he does need to step away. But I mean, I'm part of my 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 heartbreak and lament is that he feels like the things he's dealing with means that he must. Like mm-hmm. the problems he's dealing with means that he cannot be in the environment of the church and like maybe he clearly shouldn't be a leader right now, but mm-hmm. to feel like I can't identify as Christian right now yeah. because of all these things. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a bit of an indictment to a degree. Like, again, <laughs> there are fundamentals. Like you do need to <laughs> affirm certain things. Like there are things in faith that you need to affirm to kind of yeah. be, to follow Jesus. But I mean, the fact that your doubts and your hurts and your your questions and your your issues that you're wrestling through make you self-select out of it like i feel like that could be a culture problem yeah maybe mm-hmm. so and i mean it's not to indict his like you said not it's not all. to indict not his, his local church we don't know because the reality is is you could have a perfectly open environment and people are going to do what people are going to do you know sure and and some people you know, no matter where they're at, do and can walk away from the faith. And it's just a reality that the scripture tells us about. And yeah, um, yeah it's it's tough. But I think what you're talking about, that the idolatry of certainty, I, I see that. And I and I wonder too, and this is a little off topic, but I wonder if that's where some of this push in a different direction against inerrancy comes from. Because you know, we've I've been hearing more people being willing to be like, yeah, I'm not too sure about inerrancy. And they're coming sure. from people who are not your traditional mainline denomination or liberal theology, where it's like the all these different views of inspiration and like, oh, the Bible's just kind of this compilation of, of dudes. And, you know, they put together what they thought was best. And like, yeah, it's important because we connect through the to, you know, the faith of Christ and the Christ of faith and all this kind of thing and um, blah, 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 that, you know, traditionally where the inerrancy stuff has come from. But I think now it's just people pushing back on inerrancy feeling like this person saying, well, I have this inerrant text. I have this infallible question mark exegetical method that is getting me to, I think that is huge right there to these concrete big question mark theological interpretations synthesized from those and that's assuming that people even understand how to construct an exegetical theology right and not just take it from tradition and then just say well a proof text so anyway that's a different discussion but i feel like people feel like they're in this prison of i can't ask questions because i'm getting being given this and being told that it's based on this inerrant text and people feel like they can use this reality that God revealed truth to us concretely that we can know for sure as a weapon, in a sense, against people being unsure whether or not where they're at on receiving, believing, understanding, interpreting, applying that truth. Yeah. And, and I feel like maybe that's where some of this pushback is coming against even inerrancy where people feel like, well, I just have to reject that so that I have space for my questions. And maybe if we 
really honestly allowed an inerrant text to live in kindness alongside questions, we would have less yeah. of this kind of pushback. Maybe. I got one thing I want to share here before we move on to the next uh, topic. It's not directly related to Fanatic, but just was listening to um friend of the show, Eric Nevins, one of his uh, recent podcasts this week. And he had a guest on that was talking about these sorts of things, like figuring out what we believe and kind of refining, looking at the church large going, mm, there's some real problems here in both belief and practice, right? So like, where am I? Like, where do I fit? And he talked about it as instead of like a complete like deconstruction, let's rip it all down and start over. Cause like, if you rip it all down, then you're like, I don't know how to put this back together. Hmm. Um, maybe hmm. not the greatest analogy, but what he, the metaphor he used was, it's kind of like you have your house of faith and then you're doing a major remodel, like while you're still living in it. Hmm. And I just thought that was a really good metaphor. Like it's hard. Like yeah. you're, you're bumping into stuff. Like you, you can't go to all the places you used to go. It's not as easy to use. Like, there are some things that maybe like are kind of blocked off for a little while or, or some of the things that are shut off or whatever. Like yeah. it, I'm sure it breaks down, but I thought I was like, that's really good. Like being kind to ourselves and others as we're figuring out our lives. Like this isn't just our theology. Isn't just like something we feel. It's not like a statement of faith on a church's website mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, we're refining our statement. We're living our lives around these things. So when we're going, Hey, what do I really believe about X? Does believing X about scripture, like what does that have to mean about like how I live in regards to Y socially or politically or in my community? Like these are huge things. And as people kind of wrestle through this and stumble and fall and have questions, and as we do ourselves, like we really, I feel like we need to kind of be gracious with ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, man. I, I love that analogy. That's that's actually really helpful. I thought that was great. Because, yeah, it can feel like that. It can, if you've ever done a remodel in your house, like it can feel like you're really just not even able to be at home in your own house. Because it's one thing, it's like, okay, we're super ballers and we're just going to like build the super great luxury house while we're living in our other house. Like, no, like yeah. we're, we're doing a, a big overhaul while we're still here. That's an ordeal. And I was like, that's really good. I thought that was great. It really feels like that, dude. Sometimes. I mean, I'm I'm just looking through. We mentioned the yeah. little Cray tweet and like some of these folks talking about like, yeah, watching Christians react to the pandemic and embracing four five has been really shaking <sighs> to my faith. Yeah. You know, or this other guy who's like, Jesus loves the church, but I'm sorry, I can't pretend like I do anymore. And that's hmm. tough, man. I and and I feel I love my church, like the local church, but it does feel sometimes out here like like people talk about being in a post-truth world. I see pastors. This is like such a popular sermon series. Um, I hear that comment all the time, and it kind of gets under my skin a little bit because I feel like the part of the world that is the least concerned with truth is the conservative evangelical Christian side. You know what I mean? Like mm. to me, they they're they're uninterested in facts about the pandemic, about so, like society, about sociology, about history, uh, like all of these different things. You know what I mean? And it's like some of the most fact averse people are 
are conservative Christians who say that they believe the Bible, you know? And it's like, meanwhile, you have plenty of people outside the church who are like, no, this is reality. This is the science. This is the truth, you know? And so it's almost like you have a return on some degrees to a modernism. I think the reason why people talk about, oh, we're in post-truth is because people just are done arguing about stuff. So it's just like somebody says some wild thing that's just rampantly false. You, you just like, okay, dude. I'm not going to engage with you. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. You you do you. You, you, you know, <laughs> you have your thing. I'll have my thing, you know, and we kind of look down on that as Christians is like, well, you know, but what's actually true though. But the reality is so much of the world is doing that to Christians because it's like y'all are out there in left field, you know, just wandering because you have no idea what's real because you've been listening to liars and preferring lies for so long. And I, that's just hard, you know, even personally sometimes. Yeah. Same. To, it's, to it's sit and watch. Struggle. Yeah. To, to just, to see it is, it's, I don't know. Cause I think for me, it's a head scratcher. Cause it's like, it's watching cognitive dissonance in real time. And it's like, yeah what it's like, like I, yeah. I can't if i had a nickel for every time i said what just in in shock <laughs> and awe i'd i'd probably uh, be able to have a down payment on a car possibly yeah because like, it's like it's just it's and and the algorithm think, wants yeah, that i think the part too. of the part of me uh, that it, that is so shocked or why it's so shocked is because of the fact that we like we do have a bedrock in our in our faith of objective truth and you know making yeah. sure that we stand on what is truthful because we we believe and we are trusting in a god who is the truth and then it's like all right dope i'm i'm good with that i agree with that and then you get into an area where it's time to apply that practically and it's like no and it's like, but what? <laughs> Why though? That's insane to me. And I'm not saying I do it perfectly every time. I have traditions and things that I'm adhering to. But my hope is that I wouldn't be so dogmatically wedded to that truth or, the, or to that tradition that I would ignore what is truthful for the sake of what makes me comfortable and what I've already like chosen to agree with, even if it's a lie. Yeah. So, I mean, to give an example, like we already mentioned last week, we talked about, or last topic toss up, I should say, we talked about, um, you know, Johnny Max, John MacArthur comments on religious freedom and how wild they are and how it's, <laughs> sure. it's representative of broader issues in um, conservative political thinking. And when you know those comments went viral in early January on a, about a yearly anniversary of when he said them, a guy that I grew up respecting a lot, I don't want to call out, uh, I don't want to throw shade on this guy, but like his take was well, his argument was that people are trying to denounce MacArthur because of his stance on homosexuality, what? and it's like, dude, what? can you stop for a second and see, put down the culture war for just a second. 
or forever. Nobody is ambiguous at all on J Max's stance on this stuff. What? But what about what he actually said, though? What he said, yeah. <laughs> and and double down on the two mountains of times. legitimate criticism of his actual words right now. Right, and so it's like it's not about you know oh heaping all this scorn on such a holy man who's had such a faithful ministry blah 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 like listen i yeah. saw so many of those posts this week He's and i'm like half of time. an amen to that but like doing good things in the past doesn't protect you from legitimate criticism in the present it's it, it's exactly that kind of behavior that lets robbie zacharias kind of stuff happen yeah, guys. Right? Yeah. He had a lot it of good arguments exactly and a lot of people that. to Christ. But, like, it's bad that he sexually abused women for a very long time. Like, it's guys, like, freaking get your head out of there. What the are you doing? Yeah. And, and so, and I think it's that kind of stuff, right? When people see that and they just see the church's absolute allergy to the truth. Or you can have someone like Al Mohler platform an atheist because of politics. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. but see, and, and I'm I'm gonna have to say it. This particular tradition of of conservative evangelicals, they have no problem making the distinction of just because you do good things doesn't mean you don't get critique. Because I've seen yeah. strange, like just to call it out, strange fire, like sure, that sure. conference, and so it's like, sure, Kenneth Copeland has contributed hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars to charities and such but they will still blast dude for his bad theology well yeah they don't and, care and for also bilking those hundreds of thousands of yeah, dollars exactly, from poor exactly. people by promising like, them yeah and his, you know touting uh of his of his jets and stuff like that and it's just right. like so you you know how to do it you're just not doing it because that's your guy he's on my team he's on well, my yeah, team yeah he's on the other team yeah. Right. And it's othering people. And it's like, <clears throat> listen, anyway, I don't think we can. <laughs> we can like maybe get to truth the next doesn't topic. have a team. Like maybe truth is its own. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Maybe it's not about like, oh, well, there's, there's team truth over here. And like, you know, you're either on it or you're against it. And, and once you're on team truth, you better not consider anything ever again. Right. Like maybe That's the way, crazy. Maybe by asking hard questions, by getting to the bottom of stuff, by researching things, by understanding things, by questioning, refining, listening like to experts, saying, yeah. Listening, listening to scripture, praying, being active in our community, like doing all these things. Maybe that's what it looks like, you know, in a sense, to pursue truth, to pursue the one who is the truth, like to walk in his way. Because that's really what we're called to do. Right. And I just, you know, I just keep thinking, about, you know, Jesus doesn't need our help. And, and some of us so much think that we need to be the defenders, you know, of all this stuff. And it's like, he really has this on so many levels. And so we just need to follow him and not forget people where they're at, you know. And I think just to put a button on this whole long thing on the fanatic thing, because it's not really about. It's kind of gotten into the culture war here. It's it's not even about fanatic so much as it's it's about how can we be kind to people you know as they're going through stuff and be real with them and at the same time like process it just hurts you know it hurts when when people leave the faith and 
Phil, I know you're saying like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that his journey is done. And I hope that's right. But I'm I just feel like, like, I mean, I just not, feel it's like not done until that. it's done. You're right. You're right. But I will, I, I have to be real in my emotion of the fact that like, it feels like we've been saying that a lot recently about a lot of people. And I don't know. Some of them are probably just done. You know? I'm sure that some and of them that, are, but I mean, and I'm just sucks. thinking about like, but like we have to be willing to like sit with that truth, mm-hmm. right? That sucks. I don't want to be too emotional. I'm just thinking about like the word in the Bible. And like, obviously the prodigal son is a parable. Hebrew six. But like you look at, you look at fruit. I mean, the man ostensibly has been bearing fruit for like 30 years. And to go, and I mean, I watched his thing where he said, and it wasn't like I denounce God or I denounce Christ. It's I denounce Christianity. And that's kind of the religion. And there's a lot of problems with what is being touted as Christianity now. So, I mean, I am the eternal optimist. We'll see what happens. And he, part of his deal appears to be, if I was listening and have read right, he's actually going to be, talking about more specific things in the future. Like he's got books, hmm. he's got more videos and I think some podcasts planned. Like he's want, he's wanting to get to the bottom of some of these things because he's like me trying to get to the bottom has made me feel like I can't be a part of this right now, but I'm still interested in getting to the bottom of these things. So hmm. I'm hopeful, hmm. but who knows? But I do know, like, I mean, until the man's dead, it's not over. You're right. You're right. You're right. I just don't want to lie to myself about sure everybody. You know what I mean? Is my is my whole thing. I'm not trying to be pessimistic no. or anything on on him. But or yeah, anybody. to say, but like but I saw like, so many people going. You were six. Oh, if he leaves us, he was never of us. See ya. And it's like, <sighs> yeah, it's especially like I get if you're like a dumb ten year old commenter sure. who like just learned a Bible verse, but like I've been listening to this man since like. What, what, what was it there? Like the very early 2000s or the late 90s until now, the man has, has been in it for a very long time. And to just go, well, like, see ya. That was just, that was making me upset. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Jesus didn't treat people like they were just expendable tools for his team. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't, he didn't do that. And I get that people are, are, they they've got this idea that you know like you said trev we got to defend the truth and truth is important and we're not going to compromise and and so i think all that and it's like so do you think being gentle and agreeable is compromising the truth just treating a person like a person it doesn't nullify the sinful position that they're in, you know, the description that God gives of a person separated from Christ, that doesn't go anywhere. But he didn't say, and so thus, since they're a sinner and they, you know, they suppress the truth with their unrighteousness, treat them like garbage (laughs) until they become a Christian. It's like, that's not... Well, empathy's a sin, don't you know, Vince? That's crazy, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. But I mean, it's... I was personally irritated because I feel like I think I've seen him in person once or twice, but like this is a man I've, I've loved and followed for a long time, but it seems like a lot of people seem very eager to, to take the role of the older brother in 
the prodigal son narrative and i'm just like you guys yo like, <laughs> yeah just watch yourself just check yourself yeah, yeah and a lot of it just seemed to be online posturing too which is even dumber it's like who are you doing this for and why is our knee-jerk reaction not to pray like i feel like yeah. we're it's instead we it's hop in the comment section rather than saying you know, I don't know what he's going through, but I want to lift this man up in prayer. Because doesn't Ephesians six say that our 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 battle is not flesh and blood, but it's it's in the spirit, and so we take the battle where the fight actually is. And so I'm not saying you know it's magic or anything like that. This man is going to do his processing, and the hope is that the Lord works. But in God's sovereignty and providence, He works through our prayers. And so we should be quick to say, I'm going to lift up my brother in prayer in hopes that whatever he's going through, God will keep him. But instead, I feel like it's just this inflammatory thing that it's just let's either dis- discredit him, discount him, you know, anathema, get let's out of here. Let's make a pronouncement as fast as yeah, we can. I was exactly. like, I, my even knee jerk was like, should Rapsilla even be talking about this? But like he made a video and it is important. Sure. Sure. But like some of the out, like I thought Rapsilla did a decent job of just trying to like report a fact. But I saw so many outlets just twisting it and sensationalizing it. And I was just like, I almost didn't tweet about it, but I was like, I got to post a couple of things just to kind of get it out there just because my heart was heavy. Yeah. I saw a lot of YouTube headlines was like, uh, about the apostasy of oh, and, it's like, and I'm like, and that is candy for the algorithm because people love conflict. The algorithm loves conflict, and the people who are just, and I mean, we make a podcast, but like sure. the people who are like, I am content creator, not I want to contribute things of value to encourage people. But the right. people that are like, this will make great content. Like you can just take a walk. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. One of the things that this makes me think of, Vince, you were talking earlier about some stuff that you had learned about lament, and I kind of want to hear about that because I feel like I need that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> moment. Boy, boy, for sure. Tell me a little bit about what, what's some of the stuff you've been learning around lament. Yeah, so I I wanted to take an opportunity to to learn more about it because I think it's something that. For quite some time, I've had a negative view toward. So for the person that doesn't know what lament means, definition is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Mm. Um, And so basically there's this idea that, and I think we all feel that pressure, whether it's uh, implicit or explicit, of the being in the church culture um, and something bad happens you can report on it. Most people can say, hey, be praying for me because this this thing happened. And that's usually the extent of it. Um, or life is just supposed to be full of joy. And, you know, because you have the Holy Spirit, you're just supposed to be excited and happy and all of these kinds of things. Right. And so it got me thinking, like, what's the role of lament in the church? And it's extremely necessary that we learn how to have prayers, to have songs, to have times of passionately going to God and not immediately saying, Lord, I'm hurting, but relieve me now. I'm good. Mm. 
but really kind of kind of marinating how you want to say in in how you are feeling if you are suffering it's going to god and going to people and saying i'm hurting i'm not okay with this and i'm angry and i'm upset and i am sad and i am grieving and i don't feel good and it, and it's not saying that your faith well you need to just have more faith and you need to just pray more you just need to be in your bible more but it's it's giving place for lament within the church community personally and between you and the Lord. And one area that is typically affected is the expectations of the nature of the Christian life when you don't allow lament. When you don't allow lament in the church and in the Christian life, what you're ultimately assuming is that everything is supposed to be going well. And when something doesn't go well, then either something's wrong with me or something's wrong with God because me and God had an agreement and my suffering is not a part of that agreement. And you see that oftentimes in the, in the word of faith tradition, um, you know, health, wealth, it's guaranteed to you. You're never supposed to go through anything. And so buy this book, you know, buy this oil, buy this water, buy this, mm. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, jump and, on my MLM. Yeah, <laughs> comic there you go. And, and, and then you'll be good. And it's all, it's just push to constantly say, you're supposed to be okay. You're just supposed to be okay. You're supposed to be okay. And it doesn't give us time to not be okay and go through it. Mm. Because it's almost saying that suffering is not supposed to be a part of the equation when in fact it is, it is, it, it absolutely is. And in church and Especially in life, when we stuff need like to this happens, allow, we're talking about, yes, right now. we have to allow space for this because um, I think there's such a deficit of it. Yeah. And I think it's so foolish. And I've been thinking about this more, especially 2020 and on approaching lament purposefully and acting even if forget even that approaching it period like even if it's just like just emotionally reactionally what you are actually doing is like recognizing a deficit in yourself Mm -hmm. like you're recognizing your need i'm we're not all powerful we are not in control of everything Mm -hmm. and when we express that to god like that's that's worship Mm -hmm. that is acknowledging god's ability and his his graciousness his generosity his ability and desire to meet our needs like we don't always know what our needs are but i mean when we go to god because it's like i'm hurting i'm confused i don't understand i feel like like i i need something that i don't have like my my church seems like it's it's going off the deep end like what's going on like you're going to god saying like i need something from you and God is the good father. When his children ask for bread, like he's not going to give us a stone or a snake. Like that's, that's what he wants to do. Mm. Yeah. I think it's, it's also just living with that process because God moves in his time. You know, I 100% agree when, when, when it's time, God is going to deliver and bring hopefulness. And that's the beauty of the other side of lament is the hopefulness that comes because you're saying, Lord, I'm grieving, but Lord, I'm looking to you, like you said, Phil. And, uh, but it's, it's, I think we, we're so desiring of relief that we don't even want to put up with 
the suffering or the grief. Huh. And it's all I'm yeah. saying, I'm submitting that we need to have a better tolerance for sitting with what we're going through yeah. and, and, and saturating that in prayer and in honesty with what's going on in our hearts. That's really it right there, right? Because like, that's what we're seeing when you see, you know, this statement or like other ones where you see people leave the faith, the knee-jerk reaction isn't to sit with it and lament. All the knee-jerk reactions are fix-it reactions. You know, well, here's what we should have done. Well, here's the kind of church. Well, here's what you can learn. Well, here's what we need to remind Christians. Well, here's what you needed to teach. Well, here's what you needed to believe. Well, here's the truth that you needed to hold on to. Yeah. And it's like you see this as a problem to fix rather than a tragedy to lament. Yeah. yeah. And, like, to sit with it. And... um I got to get better at that too, because like, you know, I think it's easy for us when we feel sad for sure to feel disconnected solving. from God, you know, and, and maybe we try to solve it. We try to solve it to get our way back to God. We try to solve it to get in fellowship. We feel like we need to solve it to, to be huh. right in church or be right with God. And like, I think we need to develop, like you're saying, Vince, a spiritual muscle for in my heart in my sadness, in my depression, I can be with God through limit, through bringing that to God. And like, I, that's just a gear that I haven't even exercised that much. And I think uh, you, you, you kind of put this article in my hands and I want to, uh, I think you should link it as well. Give Phil the link sure. so we can throw it in the notes for the listeners. I also want to call out, like he was talking about Using Psalms of Lament to compose your own lament prayer in a group. Mm -hmm. She says, um, participants consider the following questions. Is there something that is upsetting me that I would like to complain to God about? A problem with others? Problem with God? Problem with myself? What would I like to ask God to do in my situation? Do I feel a need for justice? Do I need to ask God to sort out the person who caused me trouble? Hmm. What things do I know about God or have experienced from God in the past, which give me hope at this time? And then just reading some of the lament psalms that people wrote for themselves, using the Lord's Prayer to compose a lament prayer, using lament psalm to compose a lament prayer. I'm just like, man, I should spend some time in that. Because like to communicate to God, to commune with God in that way, I mean, that's way healthier than pouring it out on social media. You know, yeah. I me mean? <laughs> or bottling sure. it up, or bottling it up, yeah. Or I mean, um, that's another thing. Out. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about medicating that. it away. Well, so many people just isolate because a lot of environments don't have space to talk about this, and then they end up falling away silently. They don't make videos because they don't have tens of thousands of people who look to them. They just kind of stop. Yeah. And that's, and that's so, it's really just an encouragement for us to make space for this because, like you said, Trev, people are hurting. And if we are going to be the, the, the place to say, hey, come, you know, Jesus is good and he loves you and he cares for you, 
And it's like, yeah, and and not all the things when when God is being a father, not all of that is going to be he's just a father who you're already encouraged and he keeps on encouraging you and he blesses you and he gives you health and wealth. And, uh, you know, you just get all your problems solved and you'll just be fine and everything will be dandy. And, you know, the sun will be shining off your face all the time. It's like, (laughs) no, that's just not. I feel like sometimes that's an implied picture that we give that on the other side, once you become a Christian, you'll just have all of this, this, uh, this joy. And I, and I attest to that. I do believe that that's there, but we are still humans going through life and we have a God who has an unchanging love. And so when the time of struggle and the time of suffering and the time of grief is there, we have a God who who still wants to love us, and he's lamenting too. He's he's not just like, I'm happy about injustice or apathetic mm-hmm. about injustice. Right. He sees that happening in this world, and, and he laments as well because it, it does, it grieves his heart. And so we we have to just get comfortable. I think we I think that's a part that makes it difficult, is we just don't have any um like you said muscle in that area because because it's uncomfortable and oftentimes our our knee-jerk reaction is to want relief and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with being hopeful it's not saying just wallow in your suffering it's not you know what i mean it's not Mm -hmm. making a final statement to say you need to feel hopeless and then stay there it's not that but it's saying it's okay to feel hopeless and know that on the other side, what comes after, if you seek to trust the Lord and go through this, is hope. Yeah. And that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like giving people the freedom and the permission to say it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the psalmist was there, you know? And, and he wasn't, it wasn't just like there's only one psalm in the whole we're human. <laughs> Halfway through, it's like, I fixed it. <laughs> right. It's all you good. Know. Don't worry about it. No. Yeah. No sadness or confusion anymore. I'm totally certain about everything and always happy. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> I really quickly once and fixed it real good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, really quickly, I want to, I just want to read this conclusion from the article because I think it, it poses some good questions that we ought to think about. Love it um, when we skip to the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just this, just this part. Yeah. She says, although personal lament is important, there's also a need for a communal lament. Mm. using rituals to allow for the articulation of pain and public spaces to deprivatize the pain. Within many church traditions, there is a space for communal praise, communal confession of sin, and communal intercession. However, why has communal lament disappeared from its place in worship? Mm. Has the time not come to restore this much needed aspect of our faith? That's really good. Are we to allow those in pain to simply turn away from the church, finding no place to rest their heavy hearts or let their tears flow and be supported by their brethren? And I think Dang. that is a pertinent question. And we ought to, we ought to deal with it. Shoot. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I know we're not there at the end yet, but listeners, uh, take a look at that article and uh, let us know what you think. And if you have a church that has this, let us know how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
That would be fantastic. Shout out. Shout outs. <laughs> it's going to feel really weird to do my shout that's, out. That's why I say we should have a jingle. It's kind of like transition. <laughs> shout outs. Hey, everybody. This episode of The Substance is brought to you by Chris Hotchkiss, American Family. Even though we don't know what life has in store for our homes or cars, we can still be prepared. Introducing the damage doesn't have to be too damaging policy from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Contact Chris Hotchkiss Agency in Overland Park, Kansas at 913-268-8200 today. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating companies, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Chris is a friend of mine. He's a good guy. When I bought my house here in Kansas City, he was the person I called for my American Family quote. And if you're a listener here in the Kansas City area and you're looking for a quote, or a second opinion, Chris is a great guy to call. Check out his information in the show notes for his phone number or website. Vincent, you want to go? You want to bless our playlist? Yeah. After that? Um, so, substance shout outs. Uh, blessing, right? Another bless your playlist in this 2022. Um, I am shouting out a young man. His name is Loiso. Um, LL. O-Y-I-S-O. He is a South African singer. Who... <laughs> Where do you find these people? Vince. Instagram? Bro, you... I love so it. I love it. I, I, I love how you have to spell actual... all of your shout-outs. <laughs> like, nobody's ever heard of this. You'll not ever figure out how to spell it. Let me hold Let me enlighten you. Let me bless you. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I have an actual, like, paid subscription to soundcloud so i get mainstream stuff and underground stuff but the reason why this guy you know came on my radar he he recently actually just got signed to republic records um and he's got this song called seasons and i think he's he's done covers of different songs and it may not be your jam feel but (laughs) because it's (laughs) it's all about the 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 vocals and the tone of this guy's voice is is like, man, it's like the 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 basing you do on a good steak. It's just it it's so rich and it's just very good. And he's a young oh, guy. Oh snap! Four point two million. This guy's yeah. He what? he's not uh not obscure. I guess did he get featured on something or go on TV or have a viral I think really, thing? Really, TikTok is probably his main TikTok. bread and butter. Like four point um, two million views on this song. Yeah, he, I mean, it, but this song seasons. It's it, you know it, it's a relationship song. It's you know it, you, no no listener discretion advised. It's fine to listen to. This um, isn't one of those shout outs where I listen to it and I go, oh boy. Yeah, no splish splash. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it, I think the the lyrics you know kind of communicate. Um, a kind of somber message, but an honest one, almost in the in the vein of lament of a relationship. Um, but the guy, I mean, his vocal ability is is just absolutely insane. And so um, I'm super excited he's gotten signed, and I'm I'm excited for any project that he does. He just does a great job. So Loiso, um, check out his song Seasons. I'm checking that song out. So my. Uh... My shout out, I was planning on doing this anyway before we decided that we were going to talk about Fanatics thing because it's kind of tied to that. Um, I got an album I'm shouting out, uh, super brief uh, because we're kind of running late here. 
a story. It's a 2011 album from The Ambassador called Stop the Funeral. Hmm. Um, hmm. Some of y'all may know listeners who are into hip-hop in the uh, late, early 2000s. Um, Ambassador, who was also one of the founding members of Cross Movement, had a very public um, sexual failure. And um, Mm. I think his marriage broke up. I could be wrong. I don't know exactly about the state of his marriage, but I know he had an affair that was very public, stepped back from ministry and uh, music for a number of years. And then he came back with, and I'm a sucker for a uh, a concept album. It was called Stop the Funeral. It's like, look, like God, yeah, not perfect, whatever. But like the the morning season is over for me and I'm getting back to work. I want to, I want to work. I want to start working for the Lord again. And I mean, mm-hmm. some people thought it was maybe too soon. I don't. I don't have the timeline in my head real straight. But after I was listening, after I, I watched the Fanatic video, I uh, I listened to this album. Not not every track's a banger, but it's a really good album. Uh, there's some real good ones on there. And like I I was using this to process kind of my own lament, like him talking about the things that he, the Lord had brought him through. And this is him celebrating on the other end of going through the restoration process and mm-hmm. uh, especially the last song like everybody drops on it there's like eight features on the Jeez. last track of this kind of all these people kind of reaffirming this man back into like good status and it was just a very like i mean just, i i wept as i listened to this album this week mm-hmm. so stop the funeral by ambassador man nice. sounds good that's good yeah, mine sounds silly, honestly, after the kind of episode we just had, but um, <laughs> turns, out, turns out I'm finally getting my wife a cat, and um, nice. when I had cats when I was younger, I wasn't really a good cat owner, I feel like. I don't know. That's but a very funny sentence. We just happened to find through um, the, the adoption agency they're working with, with the cat, you know, they're, um, the cat is fostered right now, which is really interesting, but like... There's all this, you know, people taking care of animals and being nice. It's great. Um, but they mentioned this guy, his name is Jackson Galaxy. And we we're like, what the heck is Jackson Galaxy? Excellent name. Love yeah. that name. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. And he's maybe what you would imagine a Jackson Galaxy to look like. I don't know. Like he's he's kind of hippie-ish with tattoos. Like he he's almost got a Guy Fieri vibe Love to it. him, <laughs> but different. And he just knows all this stuff about cats. And he has a show on Animal Planet where he, like, helps people who have, like, really demonic-looking cats actually <laughs> get along with their cats and, like, figure out how. But anyway, I've been watching his videos a lot because he's got lots of good stuff on how to be a good cat owner. And uh, Evil I'm cats, about to be question a, mark? I'm about to be a cat owner. So Are cats psychopaths? Interesting. So anyway, check his channel out. It's pretty good. Content's really good. The production's really good. Um, the the info is really good. It's info I wish I had younger. So there you go. Not all of his stuff that he says I agree with. Sometimes he goes a little overboard, I think, with like some of the recommendations. Like today I was watching a video and he talked about like cat acupuncture. And I'm like, nah, that's right out, man. I ain't taking you're my cat be, to acupuncture. I ain't gonna be taking my cat. No, I ain't taking him to somewhere. No, nah, you don't both. do it yourself, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get licensed for that stuff. But still, I ain't taking him no licensed acupuncture. Are you kidding me? Is a that cat? That does not sound inexpensive. No, 
so anyhow um but he has a lot of other good tips about play and all sorts of other stuff and what, like there's a logic to cats i guess that like you start to get it <laughs> i love how you go it's down weird. like deep rabbit holes you're like i'm gonna learn how to be a survivalist i'm gonna learn how to be a cat owner <laughs> I, you know if, if my dad always said if it's worth doing it's worth doing well you know so i don't know sure. i probably sure. take that a little too far and my wife says energy. i'm also heavy addicted to knowledge which is a problem and is completely true guilty as charged so here i am help me but hey <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> we're going a little bit late here um what do we say you're already here you're listening if you hadn't hit the five star button i would love it if you wrote a review take 30 seconds take 60 seconds Write a sentence or two about what you like. But if that's too long, just go hit that five-star button. We're almost at 100. And when I'm talking to um, potential guests sometimes, talking to potential sponsors, seeing an independent show like ours, who we haven't even hit 100 shows yet, seeing that we have an engaged audience is huge for us. So if you like what we do, hit that five-star button for us. Uh, visit our website at www.thesubstancepod.com. There you are going to be able to listen to our episodes. You're going to be able to follow us on our socials. And you will be able to also get in contact with us. We have an email form at the bottom of the page. Um, and we also have a comment section under each episode. So just click on your favorite Leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought about the episode. Um, engage with us on our website, thesubstancepod.com, as well as on the socials. Boom. You can send us an email at thesubstancepod at gmail.com with your thoughts, comments, uh, testimonials, things like that. And you can also give us a call. Leave us a little voice message at 913-703-3883. Um, if you leave a nice, concise message for us, we may use your audio on the show if we choose to. And uh, we're brought to you by listeners just like you. So if uh, you're able or interested in to do a monthly support, if the substance is something you like, you can hit us at $1, 5 or $10 a month at the anchor link or individual donations at the uh, uh, dollar sign, the substance pod on Cash App. This is Trevor and Philip and Vincent. Thanking you guys for stopping by for another substantive conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed it and were encouraged by it. And we look forward to seeing you next time on The Substance. Adios. I mean, I've even been thinking about some of the things that I've been thinking about here. Mm -hmm. mm. We thanks. <laughs> we thanks. We thanks. We thanks yous. We thanks yous. The, the people who listen Our friends. or don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, follow us. Nope. Visit our. <laughs> follow us. Nope. Okay. Follow us. Sorry. <laughs> Bye.